Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 41 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, chronic pain specialist. And as always, this podcast is not to be used as a substitute for medical advice. <sighs> All right. So without going into an insanely long backstory, because there is one, <laughs> my son is having some issues at his new school. And I happen to be having a lot of thoughts and feelings about our educational system as a whole. So, and I promise this is going to pertain to pain in a second here. <laughs> what this combination, though, has done has sparked a very serious desire in myself to want to start a new school in our area. And I've been doing massive research on this lately. And side note, I am so open to any resources, so like please send them my way if you just got really excited when you heard me say, like, alternative school. Um, yeah, send them my way. But here's the thing then. The other week, he had a really good week. Before that, we were, like, receiving behavioral issues, like, daily. And I was, like, so fired up in, like, the best of ways of, like, all right, got to do this. And then a whole week went by where, like, the teacher was, like, he's doing really well. And I felt myself totally panic. Like, whoa, 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 wait. No, no, no. You're, you're supposed to be having a hard time because that's what I need to follow my dream of starting a school. Because here's the thing is this deep desire to educate kids is not new. Okay. It's actually been deep down in me for a long time. It's just been really buried and something that I kind of keep like shrugging off. I'm like, no, no, yep. Can't like one, I don't actually want to work with kids. I just want them to have a different education. And I know there's a role for me in this somewhere, but it got re-exposed as my son's been having a hard time in school. Of course, as things do, but it's present, but it was present before he was even born. So yeah, I actually panicked when my son was having a good week at school. And luckily, because the concept I'm about to share with you that relates to this is one that I've worked with on my own journey for many years, and it's one I get to work with with almost every client on, I was able to instantly see this pattern and get curious about it instead of going into the panic. You see, what was happening in me in that moment, this panic of him having a good week, this panic that said, well, you don't get to now build a school if he's doing well in his school, is a pattern and a belief I see in so many well-intentioned women suffering from chronic pain that are trying so hard to heal themselves. It's a belief I see in people who are doing all the right things but cannot quite seem to get the results they think they should be getting. And while what I'm about to cover is by no means the only possible factor at play, if it does happen to be in play for you, beginning to see it for what it is will create a massive shift in the way you view your world and your life and your pain. And... I think this pattern is in play in, for some degree in almost everybody. I don't think you kind of escape this pattern or this belief, but I think it's going to be kind of different amounts for different people. So just notice, notice what comes up as I go into this. Because this belief often prevents us from feeling the very joy we so desire 
It's the pattern that can create anxiety and panic when things are going well. And it's a belief that leaves us in a chronic state of chasing that feeling of peace, but never seemingly be able to step into it other than, you know, for those few fleeting moments. But we want it so badly, right? We want that calm. We want that peace. It's constantly chasing it, chasing it, chasing it, right? This belief is why you often can't seem to say no to that event you just don't want to go to. And it's also why you likely keep running into roadblocks when you're trying to heal from your chronic pain. So what the heck is this belief? It is believing that in order to change something for the better, you must first hate where you are. Let that sink in for a moment. What was your reaction when I said that? Are you thinking, yeah, that's true. You definitely can't get something better if you aren't hating on it. Or do you totally reject it? Or like, no, that's not true. That's, that's crazy what you're talking about. <laughs> that pattern's not in me at all. Or that belief isn't in me at all. I use belief and pattern kind of interchangeably here. If you are one who rejects it, I want you to take some time to reflect on your life. How is it that you do feel about your chronic pain? How are you feeling about your relationships or lack thereof? How are you feeling about your career or how you spend your days? And are you where you'd like to be with all of them? And if not, do you see a clear path in moving into the next iteration of what you desire them to be like? If not, then just notice that. And I encourage you to definitely keep listening. Because sometimes this belief is really obvious when it is pointed out. And then the work becomes really about what to do once you've realized it's present. And sometimes this belief is really sneaky and hidden. Neither is right or wrong or better or worse. It's literally just noticing where you happen to be. If it's hidden, though... All you need to do right now is just drop in the possibility of it being true and just see what unfolds as you listen. Only you can be the one to know if it is true for you. So let's start at looking at this belief a little closer. It tells us we only get to change when things feel awful or we hate where we are in life. And at first kind of glance, it seems to make logical sense when we don't think about it too much. I hate my job, so I want to quit and find a new one. My relationship feels like crap, so I'm going to dump them and find a better one or stay single. Might this work in certain cases? Sure. I hate this meal, so I'm sending it back and getting another. I mean, no arguments there. Hating on one meal and ordering a new one very likely can leave you content and happy. But you also, in that case, have pretty instant feedback when it's the case. And this is not what we're talking about here, okay? I am sure everyone can find evidence to find a pat or a time where this isn't true. I'm talking about the times, though, when you've tried the hating on it. You've tried hating on it over and over and over and over again. In fact, you've been hating on it for the entire time you've been in pain, per se. And you are not getting the results you want. Because let me ask you this, what would your reaction be if your friend who landed her dream job two years ago and who loves the work she does 
has pretty much nothing but great things to say about her job, which, by the way, also has great pay and great benefits. And she actually has a great work-life balance, too. What if she came to you and said, "Mm, I think I'm going to start looking for something even better and even more fulfilling? Even if you're feeling super supportive of her decision, I think the vast majority of people might feel incredibly squeamish and resistant to hearing someone say this. Or some other people might just think she has lost her damn mind. Like, her friends might be like, are you even aware of the economy right now? Like, what are you thinking, girl? Um, Or they might be like, but you seem to be so happy there. Why would you want something better, right? As a society, we very, very, very much take a, if it's working, don't mess with it mentality, right? Like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's the same reason the vast majority think that getting a college degree and sticking with a safe profession, like being a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant is the best choice. Where if somebody says they're going to pursue entrepreneurship instead of going to college or pursue a creative field, they're looked at like they're downright crazy to many, to the vast majority of people. Because the brain is always going to gravitate to the safe and seemingly stable option. And seemingly is key here. Because what it really is, is conforming to whatever the societal like norm says it should. Because as we can hopefully all see right now, with the state of this world right now, getting a college degree all of a sudden doesn't quite seem to be panning out the same the way that we thought it would for many. Right? How many people are in like, massive debt and cannot find a job. We're not going to go there. (laughs) And as 2020 showed us, that safe, stable job all of a sudden wasn't so safe or stable anymore. But again, that's a whole different podcast. We're not going to completely go down that road. I just want to start noticing what our brains gravitate towards. The point is, is we all have massive evidence to show that when something is quote unquote fine, And I use that fine in the way we all tend to use it. And that is not really fine, but it's good enough. And it's nearly not worth talking about. Like, don't mess with it. Don't think about it. You know, that that type of fine. When we are fine, we often just stay fine forever. Not a damn thing will change. And while I think there are certain areas in our life where we say stay stuck in the fine, there are other areas where our brain very, very, very much rejects being fine. Okay, so there's some areas our brain's like, yeah, fine, that's exactly what we want. Let's just stay fine, right? And it likes that. And there's other areas where it's like, uh uh-uh, hell no, because it associates being fine with being stuck. And it doesn't feel safe to be stuck in certain things. And when it comes, to add to this, when it comes to certain things like our deepest desires and the force of our authentic self, this starts to create a massive tension with the lower parts of our brain that just want us to stay safe and alive. These things are often at direct, seemingly direct conflict and odds, or sometimes not even seemingly, sometimes they literally are at direct odds with each other, right? One part wants like, oh, pursue your deepest desire and like have your fullest authentic expression. And the other part is like, stay safe. Just, just stay alive. That is all we need you to do. Just be alive. 
that's it. And then we're good. Here's the thing is our true self, whatever you want to call her, your authentic self, your deep wisdom. I don't really care. Our true self so badly wants this really beautiful, flowing, consistent, changing, evolving self to happen. And part of that might be like, I want to evolve out of this pain. I want you to hear the message of pain so you can move past it and take that message and use it, right? This, uh, this true part of ourself wants us to finally be able to live a life that feels more aligned. And again, this is going to be a flow. This isn't an end stage we get to. This true part of ourself wants us to say the things we just want to say, to do the things we just want to do. But at the same time, our brain is terrified of us achieving that. Because if you're a woman listening to this, there is a good chance that living in your fully aligned self is a threat to the patriarchy and therefore a very threat or a threat to your own self, All right? You threaten the patriarchy, it's going to come back at you. At least that's what the brain has learned over the years. Here's the thing. It's not completely true anymore. But again, not going to go into details on that. That's a whole other podcast in itself as well. And maybe go back and listen to the one uh, with Dr. Valerie Rain. That would be another, that would be a great one to reference after listening to this one. So here's the thing is you have the survival part of your brain that is actively trying to suppress your internal desires while your desires at the same time are very much trying to come out and make themselves known. And this leads to this massive tension in our bodies. And this tension alone for some people is the cause of chronic pain. Like literally just that tension could be the cause of chronic pain for some people. It's not going to be true for everyone, but just something to point out. And here's the thing. All this time, we're getting so many messages, societal messages of like, you get what you get. Be grateful for what you have. And do you know how many people have it worse? Right? Like in short, we are basically completely sold to this idea that we aren't allowed to have desires if things are good enough, if things are fine, right? If our basic needs are met, we aren't allowed to want more because wanting more is selfish. Not to mention, again, often what we desire is not deemed as an acceptable desire by patriarchal standards. So logical or not, our bodies try to figure out a way around this. Our true selves are like, all right, well, okay, so we can't have it from that standpoint, right? Like we got to just stay, if we're, if we're in status quo, if we're fine, then we don't get to have desires. So what's the way around this? So again, if being fine can't produce change, and I definitely can't desire change from a place of happiness, that's definitely not allowed, right? According to the patriarchy, then well, what's left? Better hate on myself. Maybe we'll try hating on this thing. And here's the thing, when you do that, oh, it is so allowed. It is so welcome. It is encouraged. As I was thinking about this episode, I don't know why, and I haven't watched this movie in probably 20 years, so excuse if it doesn't completely align, but I'm going completely from memory. <laughs> but the movie that came to mind was Office Space. First off, fantastic movie. Second off, though, think about it, though. They're given the full permission and celebrated by the viewer, and by the viewer I mean myself as well, right? 
because they hate their jobs, they're able to completely retaliate and, you know, steal from their company and go out and whatever, destroy shit because they get to, because their jobs are awful. They hate them, right? And how many movies is this the theme, right? Person is miserable and this drives them to make a big life change. And then they do. That's what happens in movies. No movie is about, or no book or whatever is about, oh, this woman is like really actually perfectly content and happy and present in her life. And then she just has the spark of desire to be even more fulfilled. And so she takes these gentle, consistent actions that are aligned with her values and slowly creates radical change in her life over time. Right? Like, that's not a thing. At least I've never seen that movie. Please feel free to point me to resources if there are books and movies that say that. I'm going to guess there's not. Or if they are, they're not bestsellers. There's a reason why they're not, you know, every, everyone watching them. We don't have a reference point for that. It's like not societally acceptable, but it's societally acceptable to make change when we hate on something. Like that is what is, again, not only acceptable, but encouraged. Our brains are so high hardwired to know that being fine or being okay, or yeah, it's good enough, is not what creates change. And clearly being perfectly content or you know, even happy, is definitely not a place we're allowed to make change from either. And all along this, what's seeing this is we have our deep wisdom that is also not okay with staying stuck in the status quo. Our deep wisdom is not okay with living a life that's unfulfilled or that feels just fine. Our deep wisdom isn't okay with us staying hidden or living small. So again, you have this massive tension that happens. And we, when we start layering in all this trauma, societal programming, and evolutionary, evolutionary wiring of our brain, while also acknowledging that our truest, deepest wisdom wants us to live a deep, rich, meaningful life, well, things kind of start to get confusing at the like unconscious level. And when we start looking at it, what, what's happening at an unconscious or subconscious level, it, I really want to make it clear that it doesn't always seem to work in some linear logical way. All right. So if you're starting to like deep dive into this or look at this pattern and you're like, wait, but that doesn't logically make sense. Like it's not about what logically makes sense here because logic doesn't operate in the same way in the unconscious. And what is going to, how it's going to manifest in different people is going to look different for everybody. But the general pattern is the same general pattern, like we've said, is that we think we have to hate something to change it. Which, hey, like if that actually worked, right? Like if it works like the movies say it would work, it wouldn't be problematic. I mean, if hating on something led to change and it got you something even better and you were living a more authentic aligned version of your life, then like, cool, there's no issue, right? Then like, all right, so we hate on stuff and then we change, sweet, well, that works. The issue comes in because that pattern doesn't work. It does not work. I cannot emphasize this enough. Actively hating on our lives, our pain, our job, our relationship, whatever it is for you, or maybe all of these things for you, it actually keeps us bonded to it. And it keeps the very thing we want gone 
it actually ensures it stays in our lives because what we resist will persist. There's a reason why this phrase exists. Sometimes just even being able to see this can feel impossible. It can feel so counterintuitive and it can even feel so scary to like think that there is a different way that like, oh my gosh, but if I let go of my hate of my pain, then I'm going to be consumed in it, right? Like notice where your brain goes. And again, there can be some really sneaky patterns that pop up. So I'll use relationships, for instance. Maybe you've had many relationships. Maybe you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Andrea. When I hate on one, I just get out and then I start dating someone else. Like, that's not a big deal. It works. But do you really? How many people kind of think they're doing this and they look back and they realize they've actually just had the same relationship with seven different people, but like the underlying dynamics are kind of the same. Same thing with jobs, right? Like how many jobs have you had that have a terrible boss that doesn't care about like something in particular, right? Or you've had horrible coworkers, right? Like there's kind of a reason why these like same patterns will seem to follow you from place to place. It might seem like we're creating change when the pattern is kind of constantly shifting, but it's really just the external players that are shifting the internal pattern stays relatively the same. Now, this can be true for pain too in some cases. So you you can you see this a lot, or I'll see this a lot in my clients. Like somebody's figured out how to get their back better that was hurting them, but now their knee hurts, and then it's their shoulder, and then it's their foot. Like right, like the pain like moves around their body. In some cases, they're even having surgery on these body parts, and then it's just like, all right, I had surgery on my neck. It feels so much better, and well, shit, now I just have a knee problem. And it feels totally unrelated and like like you're just unlucky. But again, usually there's this underlying pattern at play here. Even illnesses, like chronic illnesses. First, it was like, oh my gosh, I had mold in my apartment and I had this whole ordeal where I had to move and get over my, you know, my, my mold issue. And now it's IBS and now it's anxiety. And I'm not saying this to um, say that any of these things are not real. Like those are all very real, serious things that should be dealt with, right? But it's just noticing where there's this pattern that seems to be at play. Because almost always there is a thread that connects them. And it will continue to recreate this pattern until we can come face to face with the pattern or the belief itself that is causing it. And to do that, it requires us to fully allow it without hating on it. And to get really present and curious from a place of non-judgment, which can only be done when we are not hating on it. And what this looks like in practice, how you shift from that to a place of curiosity and non-judgment is really going to look different from person to person and situation to situation. There might be a lot of layers that need to be moved through or sometimes... It honestly can be really relatively simple. Like once you just notice that the pattern's present or the belief is there, it it really depends on the person. It might take a massive amount of expression and fully holding and being with the hate and the anger that comes up at the situation or even at the pattern itself. But let's take this into pain specifically. What does this look like for pain? What does this look like 
when we are stuck in this pattern of hating on our pain because we want it to go away. All right, this is so often the pattern I see in my clients and and so many people who are not my clients and probably don't want to be my clients because they don't want to look at that. They don't want to look at like what's underneath, why they hate on their pain or what kind of gets revealed when they when that pattern, when that tension gets lifted because then you see what's underneath, right? Again, it's going to look a little different. Sometimes you take away that tension and all of a sudden there's all the things that need to be looked at. Sometimes it's just the tension itself that's creating the pain. Again, we don't know until we look at it. So what this looks like for pain is moving through a process at a pace that is right for an individual's nervous system that allows us to completely shift our relationship with pain. And again, I really want to emphasize the part where I said this is a process. I think all too often we read or hear something like this of like, oh, I'm not supposed to be hating on my pain. And then we like wake up the next day and you're like, fuck, I'm hating on my pain. Damn it. Now let me layer on all the shame because I'm hating on my pain. And now I'm, what's wrong with me that I'm hating, right? Like, no. Pause, breathe. Not the goal here. (laughs) To shift, if you're truly hating on your pain, to fully being with it takes, that's a process in itself. That takes time. That is the journey. All right. We aren't going to move from our, from hating on our pain to being fully with it with a snap of our fingers. And I want to say it also tends not to take nearly as long as we think when we allow ourselves to be open to the process. Because here's the key thing. It is only once we can be with our pain from a place of allowing and curiosity that it can shift. Which means you could be on paper checking off all the right boxes, reading all the right books, doing all the right inner work, doing all the right journal entries, doing all the open journal entry, whatever, okay, et cetera, et cetera. But if all of that is being done from this energy of hating on your pain, you will forever be stuck in the vicious cycle of pain. And I want to hold so much love and so much space if you recognize yourself in this. You're not doing anything wrong. This step just gets missed a lot, and now you get to hear it. And now you get to realize it, if this is you. And here's the thing. There are many reasons and layers to why we hate on our pain. And that we can't go through all of them here. Um, But one of the first beliefs we need to shift before even looking at the direct relationship to why we hate on our pain is the belief that I opened this podcast with. We need to first shift our belief that things can only be changed when we're hating on them. Because if we believe that, as long as that feels true, that we only get to change from that place, then we're stuck. Because we're going to resist, unconsciously, of course, any, any attempts to transform our relationship with pain or our thoughts and our feelings towards our pain may momentarily shift. You know, you, you have those moments where you like listen to something, you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I feel so much better. And then like two days later, you've completely forgotten that that ever happened, right? At least I know I do that all the time still. but right? It's just going to revert back. It reverts back to where it started if we're really not shifting the underlying belief that's causing it in the first place. 
So we really want to first shift the belief of the belief that we have to hate on something in order for it to change. How can we instead come to a belief that change can happen because it's our desire? That we get to change because we desire it. And that's the only requirement. And not to mention, on top of this all, as if this all wasn't enough, that like when we are hating on our pain or hating on our job or whatever, we feel miserable in the entire process of trying to change it too. For example, let's use a job. If you hate on your job and you think you have to hate it to change it, then you're stuck feeling miserable until it can be changed, right? And it might take a while to find a new job and you're going to feel miserable the whole time because now you're stuck at a shitty job while trying to find a new job and it just sucks, okay? And let's say you do find a new job. Maybe you feel better momentarily or for a few months, whatever. It's going to be different for everybody. But chances are you're going to still end up right back in the very same place with the same pattern showing up in just maybe a little bit of a different way. But what if you could operate from the example of the woman that I mentioned earlier? That change is actually possible from a place of our desires, a place where you feel content, present, and peaceful. And not only is change possible here, but this is actually the state that acts as a massive catalyst for something even better. That this actually is the state that catalyzes change in the most effective ways. That it's because you've learned to be present and content in a non-ideal job, that that is actually what opens up the spaciousness for an even better job. It sounds a little counterintuitive, right? And if it sounds counterintuitive, it's because this belief is still very present. And that's why we're examining it. It's when you've been fully present and allowing of your pain and like done the work to get to that point. Again, let me emphasize, it's it's not just the state of being present. It's the work that allowed you to become present with your pain and to be in full allowance of your pain. That really is where the, the transformation happens. And then, of course, to be fully present with all the emotions that come with it in the process, that it's this state that is what allows it to heal. Hating on something just does not create constructive change. But being fully with something is what allows us to see the path to something even better or to see the path that actually leads us to the next phase in our lives. It's what allows us to see the path that leads us to healing or sometimes just taking that path is what heals in the first place. So the next time you're hating on your pain, check in with yourself. Can you actually recognize this for what it is, that it is your body's well-intentioned but misguided attempt to change and help your body see it another way. Help it see where it is actually not only safe but beneficial to be in full allowance of our pain. Can we actually use this to loosen up the death grip we have on pain as we are trying to hold it as far away from ourselves as possible but ironically, only ensuring it stays with us. And it's only in that loosening up of the grip that is going to allow it to move. 
And if this is something you'd like to be guided through, then I have an absolutely ridiculously amazing offer for you. Because I've been felt like called lately to try something different than I've ever offered. And it is designed to teach you exactly the tools you need to work through a pattern like this, to work through what it looks like to shift a belief and how to create heal chronic pain from a place of compassion, from a place of allowance and curiosity, since we now know hating on it does not work. And I know how hard it is to do this. And I also know that it can feel really, really scary to take this step, to start to loosen that grip on pain, right? So I wanted to make it as easy as possible to shift your relationship with pain. But this isn't something I'm sure I'm going to ever offer again. So like, please do not miss out on this. If you are feeling called toward to this, don't miss out. This program is called Seven Weeks to Transform Your Relationship with Pain. And through these seven weeks, I'm going to show you how to move from fear, anxiety, and yes, of course, hatred of your pain to a relationship of curiosity and presence, which are the states required to heal it. Just making this shift can result for some in a complete healing of the pain itself. Yes, it really can take just that. And for others, it is one of the biggest catalysts on their healing journey and exactly what allows them to move forward in their healing process. So what does this look like? Each week for seven weeks, there will be a 90-minute live call. And this is, of course, recorded, and they will all be provided for you, and you have forever access to these. So even if you can't make any of the calls, you will still have access to all of these. Um, And we will have a training and then time for Q&A. And ensuring in this that you will know exactly how to take the training and apply it to your life and actual action steps, right? Like, okay, what the heck do you do with this information? That's the most important part that will be given to you. If you're sick of trying everything for your pain, but yet getting nowhere, if you're sick of your pain causing you to wake up in fear and anxiety of what the day will bring, and you're sick of it shrinking your life, then you do not want to miss this training. So what's possible with this program? Not only can fear, anxiety, and pain melt away, But when you consistently move through these action steps provided in the program, you will finally feel safe in your own nervous system, even in the moments where it felt like that wasn't even a possibility. You'll learn the step-by-steps of somatic tracking, but more importantly, the essential add-ons to this process that are game-changing and are often missed when it comes to chronic pain, because somatic tracking in itself, as amazing as it is, needs some extra work when it comes to chronic pain. You'll learn how perfectionism and the patriarchy are playing a role in your pain and what to do about it, and so much more. There are more nitty-gritty details provided in the link that are in in the show notes, so make sure to check that out. And here's the thing. This is limited to eight people. Only eight, okay? So please do not hesitate to sign up, because here's the biggest thing. This program is priced at a ridiculous price. I could have easily charged $2,000 for this, although the value is still far, far more on your life. But I am aiming for massive accessible impact with this. This is a small, intimate group, and you have direct access to me to ask questions and answers, and there's even going to be support in between in the Facebook group. And while that kind of support is possible in my main program, that price tag on that program is $4,500 because that is a lifetime massive program. Not going to go into that right now. And while the impact and results are proving to be massive 
in my Unweaving Chronic Pain program, I also know it can feel like a terrifying leap for people to make. So no, this program is not $2,000. It's not even $1,000. It's not even half of that. This seven-week course is the lowest price I have ever offered on anything. And no, that doesn't mean the value will be less. In fact, I'm going to be presenting my most up-to-date, massively beneficial trainings. So what's the cost? Guys, it's only $349. This is literally a freaking steal, and I cannot be more excited to be offering it. It is going to be so much fun. And I cannot wait to see the transformations that occur because of it. So please, please, please do not miss out. Do not hesitate to sign up. Again, this is only offered for eight people. Details are going to be the link in the show notes. If you have any questions about it, DM me on Instagram. Oh, and did I mention there is a satisfaction guarantee, which means if you get into the first two weeks and you're like, this is not for me, you get your money back. No questions asked whatsoever. Um, So please, please, please share this if you think there's anybody who could benefit and um, anybody who has chronic pain in their life and they're stuck and they don't know what to do, please share away. And as always, thank you so, so much for listening. And I cannot wait to talk to you next time. Bye.